The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast Summer Sessions. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez, and we continue our look back at some of the greats of UCF sports history with yet another UCF baseball great. We had Mike Marath on our show a couple weeks ago, uh, who's kind of, you know, the first really big UCF pitcher uh, in the late era um, to, to make a splash in baseball. And now we have yet another Jason Arnold, uh, who pitched at UCF from 1997 to 2001, uh, was drafted by the, uh, by the New York Yankees, played in the minors for six years, uh, and is now the head baseball coach at Eastern Florida State College out in Brevard County. And uh, he joins us on the uh, Black and Gold Banneret podcast uh, summer sessions. Eric Lopez, you've known Jason for, uh, for quite some time. And uh, put into perspective, for just before we go to the interview, um, just how much Jason means to UCF baseball from a historical perspective. I would argue he's the best player of all time at UCF baseball during right. his time. I mean, he did it all. He closed. He was an All-American type pitcher. Uh, he was part of arguably the best team in the history of the program in, in 2001 when, honestly, if they had better facilities back then, that was the first year of the stadium opening, but it was not uh, they uh, suited to host. At least that was what we were told. If they had the facilities to host, they I think they could have gone to Omaha. I think they were that good. They had a one-two punch with him and Justin Pope that uh, is still in, to me, the best one-two punch UCF baseball's ever had. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer in 2006. Um, to me, he's on that Mount Rushmore. If you did a Mount Rushmore of UCF baseball, he's there. Um, and he's had a heck of a career. He he, you know, he went played in the minors. He's coached in college level. I mean, I, in fact, I remember I interviewed him when he was the assistant at Bethune-Cookman, and they played at UCF. I want to say it was 2009 or 2010. I don't remember the year. But it was one of those years where Bethune made – and it was his first time coming back to UCF, and I actually got the interview. I got a one-on-one with him, and I interviewed him. It was after one of the – because it was a two-game midweek. So they played – I think it was like a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So what happened was I was able to get an interview with him uh, after the Tuesday game and I had a lengthy interview with him, and he was very in-depth and retrospective and – uh, obviously, of his time at UCF, and, 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 and it, it's really it was cool to see him. I've stayed in touch with him since uh, he's went on to Georgia State, and now he's got a new position that we'll talk about. Um, but it's fascinating. I've stayed in touch with him through all these years, and I can honestly tell you that the last couple of years, you know, I've seen him even more involved. And, and in fact, he's been going to UCF baseball games in the last couple of years. Uh, because of Greg Lovelady, I think it's embraced the entire alumni, which we've talked about in past episodes. But I mean, Jason. Uh, I mean, to me, you can't you can't have a Mount Rushmore, in my opinion, of UCF baseball without Jason Arnold in it, because he he did everything you could do. He was a dominant closer. He was a dominant starter. Um, he was one of those guys that if you had if he had the ball, you felt very good about your chances to win on that day. One of my biggest regrets, uh, well, not that I had any control over, it was the fact that. I came to UCF in the fall of 2001, so I missed uh, mm. the Jason Arnold and Justin Pope 
by one year. And everyone, I remember, you know, I, I did play-by-play for UCF baseball for four uh, for all four years that I was there at UCF, and everyone talked about how great those guys were. And I regret the fact that I never got the chance to see them. I was excited, of course, that Jason was in the Yankee system, and I followed him uh, religiously when he was. Um, and uh, and actually, we talk about this in the interview that, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I saw him at uh, a little bit later in his career in 2005 in Syracuse uh, when I was in grad school, and he was playing for the Syracuse, then called the Sky Chiefs, along with another UCF um, baseball legend, Chad Matola. So uh, we're going to get to talking about that in a little bit with Jason. But first, I just want to remind you to make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are the new UCF Knights home. Uh, on uh, SB Nation. Uh, for more on that, make sure you check out on our uh, check out our website and all the details that we have on that coming up. We're going to see some new things coming along as we approach football season and into the and into football season. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret, and you can also follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon and Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Black and Gold. Banneret. Subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. All right, Eric Lopez, let's get to it. Here is our interview with Jason Arnold from UCF Baseball, now the head coach at Eastern Florida. And joining us now, a UCF legend, longtime pitcher, uh, went from UCF uh, all the way to uh, all the way to the New York Yankees, uh, had quite a career in baseball, and is now gone into coaching, and he was just this year named the new head coach at Eastern Florida State College, the great Jason Arnold, joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. What's up, man? Hey, man. Glad to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much for having us and spending some time. You know, you're, uh, you're, at, ES, you're at EFSC now. You coached at Satellite, which uh, I think that was your alma mater, right? You went to Satellite? No, I went to Melbourne. Oh, you went um, to Melbourne. Yeah, right over the bridge. Yep, yep. Oh, that's all right. We we won't. Uh, I'm sure they won't hold that against you. But <laughs> no, 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 no worries. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, let's uh, tell us first of all about what's going on over at uh, EFSC. What kind of stuff are you doing? I know when you're the head coach of a team at that level, it's like you got to wear a bunch of different hats. So, uh, and when we called you, you said you were working on some. You were working on like fixing the fence or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> so, so how did it all, how did it all come about? Yeah, well, um, really was happy at Satellite, just had been named the athletic director there, really wasn't looking to move or anything. Um, you know, we, uh, my family and I, we decided to kind of walk away from college coaching six years ago uh, when we left Atlanta and Georgia State, just thought it was time commitment was a little much for raising a young family and um, didn't, we really wanted to come back home. We have a huge family on both sides that live right here near where we live now. Um, I didn't stop coaching because I didn't love coaching in college. I just thought that the high school move was better for us uh, at the time. And then, you know, when this job came available, um, it seemed like it might be a perfect fit for, you know, kind of feeding back to the competitive side of getting back and coaching in college while still not having to move and uh, having our family all here together, growing up together. We got 13 grandkids that live within a mile of each other. Um, So that's pretty unique. Um, and you know, it just, after meeting with the AD and the president, it just seemed like a great fit for me and my wife and our kids. And, um, here we are getting started. Kids, uh, came back to school here on Monday. So they're already here. Um, trying to give them a few days to get their feet underneath them. And 
Yes, sir. You got it right. We got, we're wearing all kinds of hats, learning how to do uh, <laughs> uh, everything there is recruiting and travel. And yeah, we're fixing L screens and uh, yeah, man, just, just doing everything, just trying to get our feet underneath us. And, uh, you know, really excited to get started with the guys on the field though. What got you into coaching? What was it that, as far as even going back to when you were in college, I know we've, you know, you've been through Cookman and Georgia state, but you're still obviously uh, invested in the coaching side of things. What is it that, what was it that got you interested after your playing career? I mean, I think it's something I always knew I was going to do, no matter how far my playing career took me, um, you know, me, uh, working with kids is something I knew was going to be, uh, where my career took me. And, you know, you know, the gifts that, uh, you know, God's given me on the baseball field to be able to, to use those to, uh, to help mentor kids and, uh, you know, try to help them achieve some of their goals. It, it was a natural fit for me. And, you know, the day I uh, walked into my manager's office in Pro Bowl and told him I wasn't going to play anymore, um, I knew I was still going to, you know, teach, coach, or, and do something around the game and something around uh, around kids. What, when you, when oh, you ahead, look Eric, at uh, well, I, I wanted to, who, who influenced you as far as your style of coaching? Did you have influences as far as your, your kind of your philosophy when it comes to coaching and, and and how you treat the players. Yeah, for sure. I would say that the biggest influence that I've had over, you know, my years as a player and then as a, a coach still being my, probably my greatest mentor is Craig Cozart, who was a, you know, another UCF guy was there for a very long time as a player and a coach was my pitching coach when I was there, you know, he's head coach at high point. Now um, we, we were in contact all the time, you know, and, you know, he taught me the right way to do things um, in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to pitching you know, Coach Bergman was a, a legendary example for me on uh, what it means to lead young men. Um, and then I got to work for Coach Frady and Coach Melendez, who are both very successful college coaches and very different styles. And I was able to take a little bit of each side of those things from those guys and kind of, uh, you know, really put it into what we're trying to do today. And, and really the backbone of what it is as a style is just uh, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you're you're going to do the wrong things at times, but at the end of the day, um, you just show these guys that you care about them and that you love them. And at the end of the day, they're going to play hard for you. And, um, you know, you're going to get them prepared for what they're, whatever it is they're trying to do next. When you look back at your UCF career, Jason, what was, what would you say would be your fondest memory? Uh, I mean, that whole senior year, you know, you know, had a lot of, uh, kind of downs after my junior year draft and things didn't go how we wanted to. And, really thought I wasn't coming back and then deciding to come back it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me it was uh, uh we opened up the new stadium that year and you know, we won over 50 games you know top 10 team and uh I'll still say it's the best team that UCF ever had um <laughs> uh, some other teams might want to argue that but I don't know if they have a case against us um you know playing with Justin Pope that year and what we were able to do pitching on back-to-back nights was really fun um our offense was extraordinary um, but just that whole experience of coming back for my senior year um, really just, you know, changed the entire experience that was already exceptional um, into something that, uh, you know, it's one of the, it's, it's up there with my favorite places to be in the world, for sure, that that UCF baseball field. I know that you, um, you mentioned a few of your coaches, but what about some of your teammates at UCF? How, how many of them do you still keep in touch with these days? Yeah, we, I keep in touch with a good number of them. Um, you know, I, I was the best man in Justin Pope's wedding there. It's been a while now, but you know, he's uh, still doing his thing, coaching also. 
And um, Burt Clark is a local guy that was a freshman when I was a senior. Uh, he's now a principal at a school here in Brevard County. Um, we talk regularly. Vaughn Sturzbach was a guy that pitched with me um, at UCF as well, played with the Angels for a long time. Um, some of these guys now, uh, we stay in touch because, you know, they do a lot of work in their communities with, uh, you know, high school players. And, uh, you know, stay, now they're calling me and say, hey, I got a guy here. I got a guy there. You should really come see this guy play. And that, that's, that makes my job 10 times easier when you have these connections that you're, you know, <clears throat> that you trust that are now kind of feeding new players. It's pretty cool to see. You mentioned the 2001 team, which was, uh, I agree with you, that was my first year in, in Orlando at UCF, and that was the first year of the stadium on campus op uh, being open. So you guys got to christen that with a memorable year. You dominated the, the conference. You were a top 10, top 15 team all year long. Had the facilities actually been more uh, in advanced, you probably would have hosted the regionals and supers. Uh, you and Justin were like the one-two punch, but what people don't realize is that year, Coach Bergman and the staff, they decided to make you a permanent starter because throughout your career, you were kind of a reliever and then a starter, and they kind of used you in both roles. But oh uh, one, they really let you go as a starter. Talk about that. Yeah, it was um, I, as a freshman, I closed that year and you know had a great year, a bunch of saves and, and a lot of success. And then so we stayed in that role mostly um, my sophomore and junior years, and, and I loved it. It's an, it's an adrenaline-filled role, and um, – but we kind of figured after my junior year when we met with the coaches, it was about we thought that one of the main reasons that the draft didn't go as we hoped was that, you know, I didn't get to show enough innings. And, you know, when I was closing, um, I, would, I would pretty much just come at guys with fastballs and I didn't necessarily learn or get to show that I could actually pitch. Um, so, you know, we thought it was a good decision for not only the team, but for me um, to move into a starting role where I could kind of say, hey, I'm not just a thrower. Here's some other stuff that I can do. So um, that turned out to be a great move, obviously, um, as well. I, I would say that I prefer closing for sure, just because of the adrenaline factor and all that. But um, it, it was that, that last year for sure was a blast, no doubt. So you talked about your uh, the, the draft situation that you had where after your junior year in the 2000 amateur draft, you were drafted in the 16th round by the Reds, and you said that didn't quite work out. So, you, so after your senior, you went back into the draft, obviously as a senior, uh, and you were picked in the second round. It worked out for you. My question for you is, uh, if you could, for, for us mere mortals who, <laughs> who can never experience this, um, how difficult is that decision to leave a uh, to to leave a draft offer on the table and come back? Because I, you know, I would imagine that you know, like if, here's a team that's still saying, "Hey, we want you to come on board," and it takes a lot of bravery to say, "Sorry, guys, I'm I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go back to college." How agonizing was that? Yeah, it was, that was a. Man, that was a very trying summer to say the least. It's, uh, you know, I think it took a lot of, you know, confidence um, shown by my coaches and, and teammates and myself that I could do something to become better and still have that opportunity, if not a better opportunity. Um, and maybe a little bit of ignorance, even <laughs> not knowing the whole process at that time, which worked into my favor, I think, obviously. Um, but it was a, a tough decision, but really. What, what turned the corner for me was the idea 
I, I was that I knew how good we were going to be um, my senior year, and I knew that the stadium was opening. Uh, I knew that we had a chance to do something that would be really memorable, and um, you know that made the decision uh, a little bit easier and more clear for me. You and Pope, obviously, are synonymous. I mean, you both are the two of the greats in the history of the program. I, I spoke to Mark Daniels uh, over in the spring where I was doing a feature for Black and Gold Banneret about some of the greatest performances, and he says – through all his years of doing UCF baseball and UCF sports in general, that one of his memorable performances was in the regionals at South Carolina with Justin Pope in that Saturday game, not because of the, the stat line, but just about what was at stake being a winner's bracket game, the environment, and the fact that you had to come in and relieve the day before against Princeton in a wild game where you guys had to come from behind to pull that off. But he said that with that team and that performance by Pope and you two together with some of the most memorable uh, years uh, of him covering UCF. Just talk about Justin and what made him special. Oh, man, that guy was a, a bulldog. Uh, he didn't give in for anybody. He was, his intensity was not matched on the field. Um, he was better prepared than every guy he went up against. Uh, he was – there was no way he was coming out of that game at South Carolina. And, you know, the way things went down and, you know, Princeton got a huge lead on us and – you know, I'm sitting in the dugout in my tennis shoes and I had to sprint down to the bullpen and, uh, you know, get those cleats on and finish the game, which ended up going, I don't even remember 12 or 13 innings. So I ended up throwing almost six innings. Um, we came to, and we pitched probably five or six guys that day before they decided to go to me. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Pope kind of knew, Hey, if we want any chance to win this regional, I got to throw the whole game. And I don't even want to know what the pitch count was that day. Um, but he, uh, he got the job done for us. And then the next day, you know, we had to get beat twice and uh, we lost a, a tight one um, the first game, nine to eight or something. And basically we're sitting in the locker room between games there and the coaches are over there agonizing, just saying, who is going to pitch this game? <laughs> uh, there was nobody left. And uh, that's when I just put my cleats on and told them that I want to pitch. And uh, so we went on – you know, one day rest after throwing six innings on Friday or five and two thirds, something like that. And then I started the second game on Sunday and, uh, you know, I thought I gave us a chance for sure. I pitched well, um, ran out of gas for sure. Uh, I think I threw into the sixth inning again that day. Um, you know, that, that weekend was kind of a, a microcosm of what we were all about. It was him taking things to the next level, finishing that game for us. And it, it was me, you know, taking the ball and not being worried about anything, but just trying to give our chance, uh, give our team a chance to win. Um, and uh, things are different these days. You know, that was uh, 17, 18 years ago, and the draft was that next week. Um, you'd have a lot of people second-guessing us doing all that the week before the draft nowadays. <laughs> but um, we didn't care much about that, man, to be honest with you. We were, we were worried about trying to win that regional, and that was unfortunate it didn't happen for us and for Coach Bergman. Um, but it was still, uh, like you said, it was, that was a heck of a weekend and a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Where, did you guys feel as a team that you were shortchanged by not being able to host, or was that did it even cross your mind? Because I feel like if that was today, you guys would have been hosting. Like Stetson. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, we would have, with the facility that's in place there now. Oh yeah, that would have been. We were the we were ranked seventh in the nation at the time, so um, it wasn't like we were barely a one seed. Uh, we were. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, definitely. I don't think that the players thought about it too much, you know, after the fact and years later, 
uh, listening to the coaching staff talk a little bit about it. And, you know, now being on the coaching side, yeah, I understand more what a big deal it was to not get the host, but you know, we were excited just to go there. But as you can well imagine, you know, being the one seed at the University of South Carolina is not much of a one seed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more with Jason Arnold after this. The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. He's a very proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam Unger as your realtor, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back. Let's return to our conversation with former UCF pitcher and now the head coach at Eastern Florida State College, Jason Arnold. Tell us about your... Um, your minor league experience. You were in the minors from 2001 to 2006. Uh, you were at various different levels. You were in the Yankees organization, which was the team that drafted you right after, um, right after your senior year. Spent some time in the Oakland system, and then you finished up with Toronto. Tell us about the life of uh, of a player who who took the path that you did, and how many. Uh, other guys that that you saw who who could just continue to chase the dream. Yeah, so you know, for me, I was, I was a little bit older, being a college senior when I signed. So um, I, I was able to have a lot of success early on and, and move through the system really quickly. Um, got traded in my first full season. Um, you know, that first half, that first short season, and the first the next full season. Um, was uh was really great everything was you know relatively easy to be honest with you um, I, I felt good about everything and then you know i got traded again and um you know getting to triple a rather quickly and the guys were just a lot better uh to be honest with you I, I didn't make the adjustments that i needed to make um frustration kind of set in on you know first time really the first 
time that I had extended failure in my career and uh, I wasn't real good at handling that. You know, you start thinking about, you know, how old am I now? Do I want to start a family? And all these kind of negative thoughts that keep you from doing your job um, start going through your head and um, ended up having a real bad season that one year. Um, this was a year after I got hurt. So um, I missed most of the year before with a shoulder injury, but came back. I was healthy. There was nothing wrong there. Um, I just, uh, I couldn't mentally get over, you know, the adjustments that needed to be made at that level. Uh, was very frustrated going into my last off season and thought about walking away and decided not to, because, you know, once you do that, you're never going back. And, and uh, I really gave myself a, you know, every shot that off season and got myself in really great shape, had a great spring training, um, started the season um, very well in 2006. And, you know, I think I was probably seven, eight weeks into the season and wasn't still was kind of miserable. Um, I think I had a one something ERA at the time that I walked away. Um, But I was very glad that I went back and gave myself that opportunity again um, and had some success again. That way, um, when I was still unhappy, it was kind of the idea was, hey, you're not just miserable because you're doing bad. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to walk away with that idea in my head. And, you know, we were just ready to be home and I was ready to, to move to the next phase of my life. I was tired of traveling around and, you know, the idea of being a big leaguer um, had kind of faded in my mind. Um, it wasn't as uh, most guys don't understand it, to be honest with you. It's a uh, it's, minor leagues is a tough road. There's no question. Yeah. Um, I don't regret it. It was the right move for me. Uh, much like going back to UCF for my senior year, it's uh, I'm not sure I'll advise some of my guys <laughs> the same <laughs> path that I went later on. Um, but I knew that this was the path I wanted to go and, and work with with young guys and try to help them pursue their dreams. And uh, you know, we were able to have a we have a beautiful family now uh, with three kids, and we're very blessed. And uh, I'm just I haven't had much regret at all about that decision. Uh, my regrets come with you know. What if I would have worked harder? What if I would have did this? You know, those are some of the things that you constantly think about. Um, but walking away at the time that I did um, was definitely the right move for us. You know, one of your teammates in 2005, the year before your final season in Syracuse, was Chad Matola, a fellow uh, UCF ball player. How tight were you guys when you got up to freezing cold Syracuse for that uh, for that time together? It, it was pretty neat, to be honest with you. You know, Chad was. Uh, at UCF, you know, eight or 10 years before me. And he was, uh, you know, had some big league experience and truly, uh, you know, a professional baseball legend, if you will, even at that time. And then obviously now uh, with the job that he has now, he's even, you know, possibly even doing better. <laughs> um, but we spent a lot of time together up there, you know, talking in the training room and, uh, you know, exchanging stories about what UCF was like for him versus what it was like for me. And that was a big difference just in the, the school itself, the enrollment the facilities. And, you know, it's kind of the same way now when I talk to, you know, a guy that's playing for UCF now, it's the same thing. You know, it's such a different facility. The enrollment so much bigger. The, the campus is so much bigger. Um, so it was neat to kind of uh, to spend that time together. And, and he's just a great guy, man. What a, and he's had a great career. And, uh, you know, both of us in, in different capacities as you know, what we can say is that, you know, baseball has provided a, you know, a livelihood for both of our families for, for many years. And that's, uh, you know, that's something to be proud of and something to feel very fortunate for because a lot of guys don't get to do something that they love for their whole life, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. What made you decide to come to to UCF to play baseball? And what does it mean when you got inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame in 2006? Well, coming to UCF was, you know, back then in 1997 now or over 20 years ago, the recruiting process is much different than it is now where there's these kids are in front of tons of schools all the time at these big events. You know, it was kind of uh, Brevard County over here was a little bit more like a hole in the wall. And um, you, you had to get found. And Coach Frady came out and uh, saw me pitch, and uh, it was a perfect fit for us. It was uh, you know an hour away from home, um, close enough where I can come back if I need something, uh, farther enough away where you know mom's not showing up every day. Um, it, it was a great fit for us. I, I would really uh, wanted to stay in Florida and wanted to be a Division One guy. I thought I was a Division One guy, and um, you know it was really wasn't that tough of a decision. It was a lot later decision, but kids are now. These kids are committing at 15, 16 years old. So, um, but it was much later, but for the, as far as the hall of fame goes, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's probably the neatest honor that I've ever received in my life. And, um, you know, to know that I'll always get to be in that with, um, so many, uh, legendary UCF players and coaches. Um, it's something that I'm really, really proud of. Uh, my kids are old enough now where, you know, we've been over there and they got to see some of that stuff and, you know, they think dad's pretty cool now. So um, <laughs> all that stuff's pretty neat for me, but really just what UCF gave to me um, was opportunities that are, you know, basically limitless. And uh, you know, I can, I can look back on those years as the foundation for everything that I am today. And to, to be inducted with uh, that group of people that's there, is uh, just an amazing, amazing experience and something I'm super proud of. We're going to wrap up here in a little bit because I know you got to go. But I guess maybe our last question will wrap up with this. You know, you've you've met up with Greg Lovelady a couple times. Um, yeah, he's been very active, obviously, in the baseball community in Central Florida and reaching out to alumni, which I think is Eric and I both think is pretty cool. Um, what are your thoughts on where the UCF baseball program is now? And what do you hope to see from your alma mater in the coming years? I'm I'm excited about where they are right now. You know, obviously finished in the year on a little bit of a down note last year after a pretty good season. Uh, the season before was super exciting with low expectations. Um, what Coach Lovelady has done is he, and I think I can speak for all of us UCF baseball alum, is he has brought something that was so important to us for so many years back into our lives. He's included us with so many things, um, some decision-making things, some events for us, uh, open door to practices and games for our, for us and our children and our wives. Um, you know, for the first time in a long time, um, these last couple of years, um, I really feel like I'm back home uh, at UCF. I, I've been to more UCF baseball and football games the last two years than the 10 years before that combined. Um, he, he's done a remarkable job. Um, as what I hope for these guys, I hope that the next time we talk, I can't say that the 2001 team was the best team of all time. <laughs> as much pride as I have in that, I hope I, I hope I can't say that for much longer. Um, I think that these guys are are poised to win a regional very soon. Um, and then, as you know, once you get to that super regional, anything can happen there. So um, I, I don't think they're far off at all. They're playing in such a great conference now that it's you know they're tested week in and week out. Um, it's close. I really believe that. And I really do feel it's close. And 
And hopefully one of these years I can say, all right, so we're the second best team of all time. And that'll be okay with me. <laughs> here's, here's hoping you're right. The great Jason Arnold, the head baseball coach at Eastern Florida State College and a UCF legend. Real quick, Jason, before you go, uh, how can fans keep, uh, keep tabs on all this stuff going on with the Titans? Yeah, we're all, we were all on social media and Twitter and all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, check out our website, uh, efsctitans.com. And then we're also, you know, hopefully we'll be sending some guys your way. You know, we got some, uh, some kids here that we can hopefully develop and get ready to play over there um, for Coach Lovelady and, and the Black and Gold and, uh, you know, kind of get that pipeline and, and connection running here pretty soon. Cool stuff. All right, Jason, thanks for spending some time with us. Hopefully we'll see you uh, uh, in the spring coming around UCF baseball again. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Our thanks once again to Jason for uh, his time and his insight. Um, just so awesome to talk to. Uh, and by the way, that uh, Twitter handle, for those of you who are wondering, Eastern Florida State College Titans Sports is at EFSC Titans. That's EFSC Titans. And you can follow the baseball program at EFSC Baseball and followed by the number one, EFSC Baseball 1. So, uh, wow, that was we covered a lot of ground on that one, Eric. But, uh, but, but what do you think was the uh, – what, what do you sort of recall, uh, feel like you recall the best out of some of the things that we talked about with Jason? Well, I, I, I'm in this camp. I always felt the 0-1 team was the best baseball team they ever had. Now, obviously, some would argue for the 2012 team that was a win away from winning the regional in Coral Gables. That's a tough uh, call, man. Even, <laughs> some might say – some might say a couple of years ago when they won the American Conference at Lovelady's first year. But I'll tell you that, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this about you just missed that team because you arrived in the fall. I arrived in the fall of 2000. I moved to Orlando and that was the first baseball season. That was when the stadium opened, when Jay Bergman Field, which was called at the time, opened. And I remember I was there for opening day against FIU. And I remember going there because I started going to school at the time. And I remember it was like, wow, this is kind of cool. This team is kind of winning every game. And it was just a, a special group, Arnold and Pope at the time. And uh, I was fortunate to do a few games there because I was trying to figure some student broadcasting at the time. And that, that was a special group. But the biggest takeaway, two th- the two biggest takeaways from the interview, number one, the pride that he has in going into the UCF Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I've said this again. We haven't had a Hall of Fame since 2015. I'm get, I think there's some renovations going on and stuff like that. And I don't know. going to put it in we, that new building that's going up in between the field house and the Wayne Dench weight room center. So. Right. And my, and my guess would be that they're waiting for that to complete, right. To bring back the hall of fame. Would you say that's a, probably the reason why we haven't had one since 2015 that I have kind of, just, you know, that, that would be my guess. Yeah. Um, I have no actual confirmation of that, but I, but that, uh, I think the same thing. Yeah. I would, I would guess that that's, probably the reason but they need to have that back i mean you could tell the pride and you and i got to go to the hall of fame in 2015 and cover that and it means a lot to the players uh to to be honored after you know usually five ten years ten years afterwards uh and a guy like jason get honored and then uh so i think that we need to get the hall of fame back as soon as possible because i think there's a lot of athletes right now that are not in the hall of fame that should and you could sense the pride and i think i've talked to other players that are in the hall of fame it means a lot to them and I think that we need to get that addressed as soon as possible, as best as we can. Um, and then the second thing is the fact that Greg Lovelady, and we, ha- and we had the same conversation with Mike Marath, Jeff, but the pattern is consistent. All the alumni is back at base- 
supporting the baseball program. Did you just the, the way he talked about Greg and, and, and how they're invested in the pro and not only the baseball program, but just the entire department. They feel uh, uh, that they're a part of it again, that they're want, you know, they're in that the people have embraced them. It's amazing what a little gesture like just, hey, why don't you come back? And, you know, come to a game in here and we'll try to take care of you. It's amazing what a little gesture, what Coach Lovelady has done, can do. Um, pretty remarkable stuff uh, to me that uh, what Greg Lovelady's work has done behind the scenes with this baseball program and to get the alumni back uh, with this baseball team. And then he, he set the tone when he got here. I, I remember talking to Greg about it. That was one of the things he did when he got here was he emailed all the alumni saying that we want you involved, we want you, you're important to us, and we want you back. And I remember before his first game as coach, that was the night where they brought back all the alumni, and they all watched that opener. And, boy, they've all bought in, Jeff, and that struck me, that the way that, that Jason spoke so uh, well about it was amazing to me. Yeah. You know, we've seen this sort of pick up in the last few years. Um, you know, Greg Lovelady's doing his part with baseball. Um, you know, we've seen uh, some really great softball alumni things, which I know you've been a part of. Um, that have that have come around. Volleyball has been very active in getting its alumni back uh, back on board over the last several years. Um, and uh, actually, to, uh, as earlier, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, August fifteenth. Yesterday, Asante Samuel dropped by UCF football practice, and Coach Josh Heupel uh, uh, sent out a tweet about how uh, the quote from Josh uh, was: "It's critical for our players to understand how this program was built." and know the greatness that has come out of it. And I thought, you know, that's absolutely right, because UCF football in particular has only been around for 39 years. Um, the, uh, all the other programs are not that much older, to be honest with you. But there's a lot of history that has happened um, in, uh, in UCF athletics uh, in a, such a relatively short amount of time. And I think that needs to be celebrated, and it starts with the guys at the top, the coaches, and I think they get that, and I think that's really important for UCF to make this next leap uh, into the, the pantheon of, of collegiate sports programs in general. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, I, I think it's – we've had a lot of great players here before. Let's not act like we just showed up. I always – you know, I get it. Most athletic departments, most schools – We'll always talk about the future and what is now and this or that, but you know there there are things that set up where you're at now, and I think that that can't be forgotten. And you know, look, the baseball program has as good of a tradition as any team on campus. Agreed. Any tradition. Um, and again, I still believe, if you ask me, baseball is the program that's the most likely to win a national championship. A legitimate national championship where there's no questions or claims or debates um, because they can get to Omaha and they have the abilities. And I, you know, that was the thing. I remember at 01, that was the thing that was disappointing was they didn't have the facility to support that team at that time. They didn't, it wasn't good enough to host because I think if that team would have hosted the regionals, they would have won their regionals because they had the one two punch. They probably could have gotten to Omaha. That was the year that Miami won the national title against Stanford. And I remember UCF, had they won the regional, they would have played Stanford. And that was the um, – they, they had the super regionals, a two out of three. I would have taken my chances with Pope and Arnold pitching game one and two uh, in that super regional. I always I always felt that the regional hurt them a little bit more, especially being on the road, as he talked about in South Carolina. But I really thought UCF was one of the best teams in the country that year. And I think if they would have had the facilities to host that year or they could have figured out a way to host, like many schools do now, 
and maybe if they had the facilities they, they do now as they have enhanced on that, they would have been at Omaha and maybe playing Miami, that Miami team, for the national championship. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, – we've seen it before. It, it, it just takes – it just takes a couple breaks. I feel like UCF just hasn't quite been able to get the breaks that it needed in order to in baseball in particular to to make that happen to make that happen. But it just sometimes it just you catch lightning in a bottle. I, and I know I keep referring back to this, but look at Fresno in two thousand and uh, in two thousand seven. Look at um, Coastal Carolina just a couple years ago. Uh, Stony Brook, I think, just last year. Um, it just takes the right breaks happening. UCF didn't get the breaks in 2001. Maybe they will soon. All right, let's wrap this thing up here. Well, 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 oh, here, well one thought, one thought. I think, and, and, and Jason brought this up, they're, such, they're in a league now in the American Conference, which you have covered over the last few years for the American Digital Network. You've covered the tournament. You've seen the depth of the league. They're in a league where if you win the regular season title or at least are right there at the top, odds are you're in great shape to host. Um, you look at Houston has hosted, uh, East Carolina hosted this past year. Some people felt UConn, if they would have had better facilities, uh, in their situation, they would have hosted this past year. So what I'm saying is if UCF is successful in the American, I actually think they're almost a mortal lock to host with the renovations they're doing with the baseball stadium in Oh one. Remember they were at the TAC, which is obviously now known as the a sun, mm-hmm. um, which no disrespect. It was a fun league and Stetson was good and things like that, but it's nowhere near as good as what the right. American is now. So I, I think it was, it was pretty is, good. It was probably as good in baseball as anything else. And, and for UCF at that time to be as high as number seven in the country coming out of the Atlantic sun conference was, I mean, miraculous is the word I co- that comes. Well, to mind. it's, it's, Right, and, and for college baseball fans, I mean, you saw what Stetson did this past year where they right. won the ace, uh, and they got to host a regional and lost to North Carolina in the Supers, but they had top-notch pitching. They had a first-round draft pick and Logan Gilbert and things like that. This Stetson path team this past year was kind of like the UCF-01 team in a lot of ways, and I feel like in a lot of ways the UCF-01 team paved the way for that this Stetson team who has the great stadium, which you have called games at, Merching Field, in Deland, which some many believe is one of the best baseball stadiums out there. And they were able to host. And I hope that, and obviously with John Giuliano and, and he, he's, he's in, uh, obviously invested money uh, and they're, they're investing in the press box and all that stuff. Your hope, the payoff is that when this team's in a position to host it, it gives them that because it does, if you host, you have a better chance to go deep in the postseason. There's no, no doubt about that. And I do believe that they got the right guy in Greg Lovelady who has won everywhere he's gone as a player and as a coach. And I think, um, to me, UCF's in a good shape here, and I think a lot of good things are happening. As you mentioned, it's just going to take the right click, the right bounces uh, in a given year, and I, I think UCF is in the right direction in that as that's regard. Cool. All right, so as we wrap it up here, uh, once again, we want to thank um, Jason Arnold uh, for, again, his time, his insight, and uh, all that he's done throughout the years in baseball. Um, you know, it, it, it seems like UCF is kind of atta- was kind of attached to his name wherever he went, and uh, it was great, great to talk to him. And thank you, Elo, for getting that set up. I know you've um, you've well, had this you. in your back pocket yeah. for quite some time, so I'm glad we got it done. Me too. I'm glad we've got, again we, we're the home where we get a lot of the former players, all the sports coming back. Mike Maroth, we've had a chance to hear from. We've had Jermaine Taylor on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you name it, we've had them on here, and we'll continue to have some and sprinkle in throughout the all year long as we obviously get ready to cover the the, the current sports that are going on so yeah. football season starting but it's good to kind of always talk to the guys that are 
in the past and will continue to do that. Don't forget women's soccer starting up too on uh, on the 19th this coming Sunday. So, um, my God, it's happening right now. So, all right, let's wrap this thing up. Make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for UCF sports. Uh, and follow this podcast. Subscribe to us on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. And follow us at UCF underscore banneret on Twitter and Facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. That'll do it for this summer session with Jason Arnold. For Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. 